Good morning. Pardon me not shaving. I realized this morning I forgot to bring my razor along with me. <laughs> I got two alternate excuses I could use for that one, that COVID I had about the 1st of November. Or the other one, probably the right one, I'm 84 years old. So when you get to be 84, you can use that as an excuse for a lot of things. <laughs> but it's good to be here this morning. I remember one time about 1961 or 60, 1960 or 1961. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it was one of those two years. I got a call from Vivian Pritchard in Plainview, Texas. He was an elder there. He said, Jerry, we've got some families in Denton, Texas uh, that are interested in starting a church. Can you go over and help them some? I said, yeah. He said, well, we're, uh, we're sending a fellow over that way by the name of Ralph Colick and his wife. And they want to get into church work. And so Ralph and I knocked lots of doors here, talked to lots of people. I don't know exactly how many and how much, but uh, I've had a close association with this congregation ever since that time, and I have really enjoyed and appreciated the association that I've had with you. I'd like to thank you for your camera set up. As most of you know, my wife was very sick with that COVID, and we had three or four services where we had to meet at home. She couldn't get out and go, and I stayed with her. And we were able to pull this, and one of my grandsons showed me how to pull this thing up on our big screen TV. And it's almost like we were just right here. And it so happened the songbooks we got at home is exactly the same songbooks you got here. You announced the songs, we just sang along with you. Listen, we really appreciate that. I don't think that's an excuse for missing the assembly of the church, but sometimes emergencies and things come up. In the Old Testament, if they were not doing any kind of physical work on the first, uh, seventh day of the week, which was Saturday, or they called it the Sabbath, but if your ox fell in the ditch, you could get the ox out of the ditch. They were, all males were required to make at least three trips to Jerusalem every year to keep festivals. One of them was the Passover. And that was really important. You're supposed to do that. However, conditions were made in case you couldn't be there, you were on a journey, or some reason couldn't. A month later, you could do that, keep the Passover. So God understands that circumstances come up to get in our way sometimes. And we all know that's happened with this COVID, uh, COVID virus. But I uh, really appreciate uh, our, your camera set up where we can just zoom your service right in at home. And I would like to express our appreciations for your prayer for Cheryl. As most of you know, she really was really sick for that COVID. But we want to express our appreciation for your prayers and your consideration uh, in that, you know, that you thought about us and cared about us, which I know you do anyway. Uh, <clears throat> this morning, you know, uh, everything that glitters is not gold. Everything that's not clear and sparkly is not the diamond necessarily, and we all understand that about a lot of things. You just can't believe everything comes along because this world is full of fake news, and that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. In Genesis chapter 3, we know God, uh, God previously in chapters 1 and 2 had created man. He created man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, Genesis 2 and verse 7. Then he said, it's not good for man to live alone, I'll make a help meet for him. Genesis 2 verse 18, and he created a woman for the man. And he put them there in the Garden of Eden, and he prepared a special place. 
this earth without special preparation is goes into its wild natural state and condition. But God prepared a garden eastward in Eden there to place the man. And then he told him, said, you dress and keep that garden. Genesis 2 and about verse 17 says, you dress and keep the garden. So the garden had to be kept. People said, boy, I'd like to wonder, I'd like to find where the garden of Eden was that you wouldn't recognize it. Because when it's not dressed and kept, it goes back to its wild natural state. And God intended, I suppose, for man to expand that garden, dress and keep additional parts, because he intended man to multiply and replenish or fill the earth. That's what God had in mind. And now everything is wonderful. They had all kinds of herbs for man to eat that was there. The fruit trees of every kind of a fruit tree that there was was in that garden. They could eat of that fruit. God said, oh, there's one tree there in the midst of the garden. You should not eat of it, because if you do, you'll die. Along comes this serpent. This serpent, Genesis chapter 3, says, uh, I got good news for you. Got good news. If you eat that tree, you won't die. Why, it'll make you as gods, and you'll know good from evil. Eve believed that fake news. Adam knew better, but they both ate of it anyway, didn't they? She swallowed the line that old Satan gave her, claiming to be good news. I got good news for you. You don't have to worry about that tree any longer out there. And that really is not the way I had in mind, was it? Well, you know, this world is full of all kinds of new ideas and new things and all. Adultery and fornication become a, a new thing. The new thing about it is it's okay. Man's just, man and woman were just made that way and, you know, Lots of times when I go into a store or something, I get ready to pay when I leave and all, I, I ask them, maybe ask the lady, says, uh, well, you got are you married? you have kids? Well, says, I'm not married, but we live with so-and-so. It doesn't bother me at all. When I was young, if you did that, you didn't tell anybody. But now, good news, that's okay now. Well, you think it's, good, it's okay? Let's turn to Genesis chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 5. We'll do a little reading here. See what the Lord has to say about it. Most of you already know before I get there, don't you? Genesis chapter, <coughs> pardon me, 5, beginning with about verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the news is anymore, oh, oh, people misunderstood that through the years. That's okay. Well, not according to this, is it? They that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's fake news, if you believe in that. Uh, homosexuality has got to be a, a big deal anymore. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, and verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 of 1 Corinthians. And this is similar to the one we just read. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, and listen to this, nor effeminate, 
That's a man that behaves in a, in a feminine or woman type way. Not abusers of themselves with mankind. It refers to a very similar thing, what you and I call homosexuality today. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Someone said, well, that's a little bit, uh, a little bit vague there. I, that maybe could be interpreted different ways. Well, turn over with me to Romans chapter 1. Verses 24 through 27 here. Talking about the, how the Gentiles had drifted away from God down through the centuries. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another. Men with men working that which is unseemingly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. The teaching all through the centuries on this was correct. The idea that all this stuff is now acceptable, that's fake news. That's, you can't afford to believe that. Uh, another thing, the Bible said, well, or men say, said, I've gotten the good news for you about, about women. It says women are not like they, really not like they used to be. They can, a woman can do anything a man can do, and a woman should be allowed to teach in the church, to be a leader in the church and things of that nature. Well, what's the Bible say about that? 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 points out that that's fake news. It said, let your women keep silence in the churches. It's not permitted to them to speak, but they're commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14 is similar type teaching. When you begin to look at the qualifications of elders and deacons in the church, they're to be the husband of one wife. So this new idea that women now, and of course, I've, I've always felt like that women were prohibited from doing a lot of things they ought to be able to do, and, in, and as far as even, you know, being leaders of our country and things, that's, that's fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But the idea that in the church, the woman is now allowed to preach, or she's allowed to be an elder or deacon in the church, uh, that's fake news. That's not really true. Uh, one of the new things, and really it's not new. I've run across this for years, uh, but we may run across that quite a bit in the, next, in the next few months, maybe the next year or two or something like that. You can worship God at home just as well as you can in the assembly, you know. Said, so I've knocked on doors, spent a lot of time knocking on doors, uh, talking to people, you know, about the church and their soul and things like that. And lots of times, and it's been way for, it's been the way ever since I first got evangelistic work in 1960. It's always been that way. Someone will say, well, we worship God here at home. We'll turn the TV on or something and we get a, we get a good sermon there and, and uh, we pray there at home and all and that's just as well now. Like I said, there's emergencies come up. If the ox gets to the ditch, you can get the ox out of the ditch. If you miss the Passover in the Old Testament times on the 
on the month it was appointed to, you can take it on the next month. You know, you can participate in that Passover on the next month. But generally speaking, you are not supposed to fit around with the ox on the Sabbath day. And generally speaking, you are not supposed to miss the original Passover when it, when it was in the Old Testament times. The Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10 and verse 25, it is not pleasing to God to miss the assembly of the church unless there is some kind of emergency. And the Lord understands emergencies. And we've all had to do that some. Cheryl and I have had to do that. Because when we got her back out of the hospital, she couldn't get around hardly go anywhere, especially get out in, in the cool air and all. And uh, so those emergencies come up. But don't let that become a habit with you and say, well, that's just as well as assembling with the church. Because it's not. The Lord said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I won't say just a word about that word of forsake. That doesn't mean miss. That doesn't mean miss. You know, you, need, you and I need to do our best not to miss the assembly of the church, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something in a far more reaching aspect. The word forsake means to abandon and turn away from. And so he told them, said, don't... Don't develop the habit of turning away from the assembly of the church. And the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians that after the new war for Christianity and they got a little disappointed with some things, they having a tendency to go back to that Old Testament law uh, that the Jews had lived under for centuries, you know. They were having a tendency to do that. The book of Hebrews was written to those Christian Jews encouraging them to stay with the truth, stay with the church. Don't go back to the old ways. He says, uh, if you turn away, he, in verse 26, that's one right after the one that we noticed on not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as a man or some is. In that very next verse, why he, he, he talks there about, well, I'm having a corona spell there just for a second. What did it say there? Mike? You're not the one? Or oh, if we sin willfully after we came into a knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But he was, it, it came to me, that coronavirus. Or 84. You know, at home, we've got a fellow goes to church with us. Got, like, got a lot of fellows. One's name's Patrick. He's a Christian. All Christians are saints, so I call him St. Patrick. But he sits right over there, and his mind is good and sharp. And when I can't think of a word or a name or something, Patrick, what do I need? And he'll usually tell me, so Mike, you're, well, I don't know. Let's call on Danny to do that. <laughs> he's sitting in a position I would naturally look, you know, do that. But here he's telling these Jewish Christians, if you, if you turn away from Christianity, there's no more sacrifice for sin. Or oh, they were still making them all right until Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 70. But they, they were not doing any good. They were not effective any longer. They had, that system had God had passed it away on purpose. He never intended that to last beyond that seed that would come to whom the promise was made. That was Jesus Christ. This was always God's plan about the Old Testament law. But now here he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And that was tied in with turning away from Christianity. Forsaking, abandoning, turning away from and against. Don't get into that kind of a habit. And we miss church sometimes. And it's best not to miss church at all if we can help from doing that. But that's not what the word forsake means. It has a deeper meaning than just, just missing. So... You know, someone tells, well, you can just worship as good at home, you know, as you can in the church assembly. That's fake news. Fake news. 
1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, Paul says, Timothy, when he comes, will remind you of my ways, which be in Christ, which I teach everywhere in every church. Paul didn't have a specific set of instructions for individual churches. He had the teaching of the Lord and the Lord's plan for the church and lives they ought to live, and he applied them to different churches, especially if they had special needs in those areas. But Paul taught the same thing in every church. He taught, he taught the same thing about uh, fornication, adultery, and homosexuality. He taught that in all churches. You know, he taught the same thing about forsaking the assembly of the church. He taught the same thing about the men doing the teaching and the leading of the church. He taught those everywhere. So this was not just specific instructions for Corinth. Well, when it comes to all this fake news and all, I've got a, got a nephew, uh, Tim Lucian, who lives in Georgia, and he's a physician's assistant, he all, a PA, he's almost a doctor. And he said, Jerry, you'll find lots of things on the Internet and on, that you can pull up on your computer and all about all different kinds of health things. He says, don't believe all that stuff. So you can get everything in the world in the way of health and the health supplements and everything like that on television. I mean, not on television, but on your computer. Don't believe all that stuff. And if you ever browsed around on your computer much, there's all kinds of advertisement claiming to do this and that. Some of that may be true, but some of it may not be. Well, what are you going to do when it comes to religious matters? 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not ever spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. That's what you need to do. For many false prophets have gone out of the world, he said. There are many proclaiming all kinds of fake news about certain things. He says, don't believe all these things. Try the spirits. Where try means test them. Check them out. Find out. Well, how are you going to do that? In verse 6, he says, they that hear us are of God. They that hear us not are not of God. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If they acknowledge the apostles and those that taught the New Testament teachings and all, says if they, then they are of God. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Second Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, here it says, As there were false prophets among the fathers, even so, so there also shall be false teachers among you who privilege shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves uh, destruction. And he says, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. There was a lot of warning in the New Testament. When Jesus was alive, he warned them about false teachers and false prophets. There'd be people coming around and saying, I've got news for you. Things are different than they used to be. You've been mistaken about this. I've got news for you. A lot of it is fake news. So you want to examine uh, examine people that bring up ideas and all notions, you know, examine them by the truth. I'm talking about religious matters, spiritual matters. Try those spirits. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 talks about a, a town by the name of Berea and talks about the people in Berea. When Paul, Paul preached there, they received the word with all readiness of mind, an open mind, you see, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They had an open mind, but they also had an open Bible. Now, if you've got an open mind you don't have an open Bible, that'll make you a subject to uh, being deceived in lots of ways, you know. Uh, but on the other hand, if you, have a, if you have a closed mind and an open Bible, that's, that's prejudice. You need an open mind to consider. But you always need to compare things you hear with what the Word says, you know. 
what the Word of God says, what the Bible says. Jesus said in John 5, verse 39, about who he was, says, search the, Christ, the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. So Jesus said the Scriptures will bring you the truth. In this particular place, in John 5, he's talking about who he was, the Christ, the Son of God. But we need to search the Scriptures on everything that we hear. And if you run across a preacher that is offended because you open the Bible and check what he's saying, don't let that bother you. Let him just be offended if that's the way it's going to be. Because you and I, in order to separate true news from fake news, we need something to, uh, uh, to depend on as for research. That's the Bible right here. You got a Bible, I guess all of you got a Bible. Well, I know. Y'all looks more like a cell phone anymore probably than most of your Bibles. But that's nothing wrong. It's the message that counts. Not whether it's on the cell phone, whether you've got it in a, in a written book like this and all. But search the Scriptures. You know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for, for righteousness and for... How did he put that? Search the Scriptures. And then... Uh, Danny? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Instruction in righteousness. As a man of God might be perfect, truly furnished in all good works. So the scriptures can thoroughly furnish us in all good works, profitable for doctrine, reproof, instruction in righteousness. And I missed one there, but you all fill all that in. You know, the scriptures, the word script means right, written. So scriptures are written word of God. It's not what guy got in a dream somewhere that God told him this or that, but the scriptures is a written word of God. And so you and I need to depend on that. If we'll depend upon that, we'll be able to separate fake news from, from real news, good news, proper news, uh, in a spiritual sense at all. So uh, it says, many shall follow their pernicious ways, and that's sad, isn't it? In Second uh, Peter 2, verse 17, he's still talking about false teachers in the church. He says they are wells without water. Do you catch a concept there? A well without water in it? If you were really thirsty and you needed water and you just couldn't hardly exist anymore without it and you saw a well, wouldn't that be great? You and I might see a water faucet rather than a well, but in those days they had wells where they got the water from. When I was young as a kid, we drew our water out of a well. But you make your way over to that well, and when you get to the well, you're just dying of thirst. Finally, you're there looking at the well, and it's dry. How would that be? Well, it wouldn't be very good, would it? Well, the same thing is true with false prophets. They sound and they look like they really are offering something great and wonderful, but it's fake news. Fake news. It's not, and there's no water in the, those, those wells. So he tells us to examine those things. Well, as we notice in John 4 and verse 1, there are many shall follow their pernicious ways. Here in the 600s, there was a fellow came along, he had news. New news. Gabriel, the angel, had spoken to him in a cave. And he told him, as, G as Moses and Elijah were prophets, and Jesus was a prophet, so am I. His name was Muhammad. He started a religion that's the biggest religion on the face of the earth today. Now, everything you try to read about Muhammad, you put him up on your 
computer and all you won't always get across this, but he was originally he was a caravan raider. That's what he was. He'd raid caravans through the desert, steal what they had, and the people, men that were with him, he would divide that among them. And so they all had an interest and a part in that. And more and more men followed him, more and more men followed him, and they because they'd attack bigger caravans, longer caravans, you know, and stuff like that. And but anyway, I won't get into all the up, I get all the details of that. If you're interested in studying in that, well, you can certainly do that, you know. But what he told him about Gabriel talking to him and telling him that, I don't know where he got the idea. I think he made it up. I don't know where he got the idea, but it's fake news. It's fake news. Mohammed was not the new prophet from God. He was not, even though he claimed to be. In the 1800s, there's a guy by the name of Joseph Smith that supposed, supposedly he had some revelations from God. And an angel by the name of Moroni appeared to him, and he told him, he says, Joseph, there's some golden plates hidden. You go dig those golden plates up. And he got those golden plates, and he got inside of a tent with those, and he had eight witnesses, one of whom had been uh, a church Christ preacher, Sig... Uh, Thank you. You're not Danny, but that's right, Sidney Rigdon. But anyway, he translated these golden plates and he handed out one sheet of time outside that tent. These witnesses did not see the golden plates. All they see saw was him handing these things out. And there you got the Book of Mormons. News! The news was that, hey, do you realize that the church has been corrupted through the years? Do you realize that the Bible has been corrupted through the years? And God has given to Joseph Smith and his followers the right to straighten those things out. So they got a big religion for that. Fake news. The Bible says, Though we are an angel from heaven preaching out of the gospel unto you, that you received, let him be accursed. Galatians 1, verse 7 through 9 there. So you can't believe even angels. If an angel comes... Yeah, that'd be difficult if a real angel came to you and talked to you, wouldn't it? Be difficult for you'd think, boy, this is of God. It might not be, you know. And of course, I don't know. Any, I don't know for sure any angel ever appeared to him in the first place. If he did, it's probably the wrong kind of an angel. That's for sure. But that was fake news that he brought on the world. About the same time, there's a lady came along by Ellen G. White. And she had some 3,000 revelations from God that were given to her. She started a great movement, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. You know, there were others that were involved. I think I'm the name of Miller and some others also in starting that. But those revelations she had were fake news. They were not from God. They were not from God. You can't believe everything that you hear. You have to, you have to check that stuff out, don't you? Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, uh, verse 21, when Paul was here, he talked to these men from Athens. And you know, they were eager to hear what he had to say. They were extremely eager to hear what uh, he had to say, you know, uh, because uh, he was supposed to, uh, uh, he was supposed to, he was supposed to preach a gospel there, and they, they'd never heard of that before, and this idea about a resurrection. And the Bible said they loved to spend, they spent their time telling and hearing something new. That was important to them, to hear or to tell something new, carried away with that, fascinating. 
new news, you know, about this and that. No. Well, the gospel been here for 2,000 years, and it's the same today as it ever was. It has not changed. Regardless of what men may say, what men may think, there's a lot of false teachers, a lot of fake news out there in the world. You can't afford to believe all of that. Just because something's new and fascinating, don't get carried away with it just simply because it's new and fascinating. You might want to check some of that stuff out sometimes. I don't know whether you do or whether you don't. But here's where you check it out. With the scriptures or the, or the Bible that you've got on your phone. One of the two. Try the spirits whether they are of God. Now then. Someone says, you've certainly been kind of negative this morning, Jerry. Well, I guess it has. But now, i got some good news for you now on the rest of the sermon. And the good news is that all news is not fake news. There's good news. There's true news. There's glad news, glad tidings. That word is gospel. That's what it is. That word is gospel. The word gospel means good news, glad tidings. And it is. You know, if you're in sin today, i got good news for you. It's not fake news, it's good news. There is relief for your sin. There's a man died on a cross 2,000 years ago to wash away your sins by his blood if you'll simply accept him. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Boy, that is. It's certainly good news. The word gospel is used an awful lot in the New Testament. I know 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses, talks about the gospel there. And Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declared unto you the gospel which you have received, wherein you stand, whereby you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. How that first of all, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So the gospel is what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Well, yes and no. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel, and that's the first part of the gospel that Paul preached to those people in Corinth. I delivered unto you, first of all, how the Christ died and buried and rose from the grave. But the word gospel is not restricted to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Jesus, in his time, preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. What was the gospel of the kingdom of God? Well, that was more than just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The kingdom of God was an institution, a spiritual institution. The Jews had been looking for the kingdom of God to come for a long time. The Jews in Jesus' day, you know, David was a great king. Israel was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, most influential nation on the face of the earth when David was king of Israel. History points that out, the Bible points that out. And the Jews in Jesus' time, they were under the rule of Rome. They weren't even ruling themselves, much less, you know, having a king of some sort, you know. So they were, they knew the Old Testament. They, a lot of them were very familiar with it. There was a king prophesied in the Old Testament would come and would restore the kingdom back to Israel. And they were looking for that. They called him the Messiah, the anointed one, one anointed to be king. And they were eagerly looking for that, that to come because they didn't like being under the, under the oversight of the Roman Empire. They were, very, they were very proud about ruling their own nation, their own people and all, and they didn't like that. There were certain Jews that were really caught up with the idea of chasing Rome out of there. They were called zealots. Zealots, how do you pronounce that A and all, I guess, but they were zealous 
zealous for the Jewish religion of olden times and chased Rome out. <laughs> they were all eager about that. Jesus Christ came on the scene bringing the kingdom of God and that was good news to those who understood it. Now their problem was they were looking for an earthly kingdom. The Bible says in John chapter 17 the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Lo, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom that the Jesus came to establish was not an earthly kingdom. The area he wanted to rule over, over was the hearts of men. The kingdom of God is within you. That's the area he was to rule over reign over and that's good news that's good news that the kingdom of God is here on the face of the earth today we call it the, the church the church composes the kingdom of God that was good news so there was a gospel of the kingdom of God and that's the good news we've got for you this morning it's not fake news either it's good news oh there were a lot of a lot of fellows sprung up in those trying times from the time of the death of Christ on until Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70 claiming they were the Messiah. They were the Christ. They were false prophets and that was all fake news. But Jesus was a real Christ. He was the real Son of God and he brought the real kingdom of God on this earth. Isn't that wonderful? You and I get worried and stressed about the things of this world. You know, where's our nation headed and all. And people stressed about where our nation was headed for centuries. Oh, not centuries. Our country hasn't been around for centuries. We've been around a couple of hundred years and a little over, hasn't it? People always been worried about that. But listen, there is a real kingdom of God that's on the face of the earth today. That is good news. And that's what the word gospel means. It means good news. The lesson is yours this morning. If you're here this morning, you're not a child of God or not a Christian. You'd like to be baptized into Christ, you can become a part of the kingdom of God. The Bible says, by one spirit were you all baptized into one body. Romans 12, I think verse 12, I think it is in chapter 12 there. By one spirit you were all baptized into one body. That body is the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Mark 6 and 6, and he that believes is baptized shall shall be saved. They go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the good news, and they that respond to it by believing it and being baptized shall be saved. So if you're here this morning and you'd like to be a part of the real kingdom of God, if you'd like to accept this good news, we're going to sing an invitation song and encourage you to come and respond to it. If you desire the prayers of the church, we invite you to come too. Will you come while we stand and sing the song selected?